Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are ready to record episode number 224. Unfortunately, I've got to do the uh, remote version this week. Coach Don and Stan are in the uh, Cherokee Batting Range podcast studio, and I'm calling in. Uh, we've got a really good show lined up for you this week. In our warm-up segment, we're going to talk about our City of the Week, Player of the Week, Equipment Tip of the Week. We have a really good Did You Know, a really strong listener question, and of course, Paige's Power Play. In our leadoff segment, we're going to talk about etiquette and guidelines for showcases, things that families and uh, players and coaches need to be aware of. In our cleanup topic, we're going to talk about the is the grass always greener organization jumping and uh, moving from team to team and or moving your team from organization to organization. And then our coaching tip of the week, we're going to talk about showcases, being sure that as a coach, you're picking the right places for your kids to get in front of the right college coaches. So before we get into all those topics, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus nine rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. We certainly do appreciate the support of Anderson, and every time you buy a bat, uh, that will allow you to save an additional 20%. It also goes a long way towards helping us with everything fast pitch. And also, let's talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. We have a new patron this week. We want to w- welcome Vince Esposito. Vince, thank you very much for coming on board and becoming a patron. We've been talking now for the last several weeks. We are looking for and desperately asking those of you that are capable of helping us out to become patrons. We are in a tough spot right now financially with keeping the podcast alive. We're very fortunate that we've had the group of patrons that we've had for as long as we've had them. Um, But if we can't get some new blood in, unfortunately, the arrows are just pointing in the wrong direction. So that's why Vince coming on board is such a blessing and we do appreciate it. If you're able to, if you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. It's all going to be explained to you there. So down in our warm-up segment, let's talk about our city of the week. First off, Lone Oak, Texas. Lone Oak, Texas. That's awesome. We're excited to uh, to kind of get a new area uh, listening, right? Yeah. Well, anytime we see the numbers jump, obviously, we're excited. Um, uh, and the state of Texas uh, is on a hot streak right now uh, with the, the Longhorns doing so well at the uh, College World Series. And uh, it's been a, you know, a tremendous travel ball hotbed for many, many years now. Tons of ball. Um, there, there's yeah. always the discussion going of what's the best state for finding talent. And right now, I think the big three from a lot of people's opinions, what, I've, what I keep hearing are California, Georgia, and Texas. So there's a lot of great players, a lot of great programs that are uh, coming out of Texas. And uh, as we always do, if you know of somebody that's a fast-pitch fan, that's uh, a coach, player, teammate, somebody like that, that isn't listening yet to everything fast pitch and coach prep, we certainly would like for you to encourage them to do so. Um, I think once they listen, they're going to come back. Uh, But we definitely have tons of information we want to share. 
lots of things we would like for them to uh, have access to. The best way for that to happen is for you to continue to ask people you know to jump on board and give it a listen, and I'm confident that they'll keep coming back after that. So congratulations, Lone Oak, Texas. You're the city of the week. Speaking of Texas, this week's player of the week is Faith Avila. She's from El Paso, Texas. She's an eighth grader, plays at Parkland Middle School, uh, where she was the starting catcher and uh, earlier this spring helped her team win the district title. Um, And she also hit her first ever home run uh, in a playoff game. And so very excited for Faith to have that great milestone accomplishment. She also plays for a travel team called the Sun City Tejanas. Um, where she's also the starting catcher, but she's just an all-around go-getter, uh, volunteering in the community, does work at her church, great student, just a great teammate, and a, and a kid that's always got a smile on her face when she comes to the ball field. It's a great job, Faith. And so congratulations, Faith Avila. You are the Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week. So, Don, equipment tip of the week. Let's talk about the Square Cuts training discs. Yeah, Tori, again, can't say enough uh, good things about the, the discs. If you don't have a set, if that's not part of your training options, then I think you're missing out because uh, it's a product that's going to give you great feedback. It's durable. It's unique and a little bit different than the normal. It's a product, I think, that once you try it and use it, you're going to keep going to it because it's definitely versatile. You can use it for your hitting. You can use it for your throwing or pitching. It's a product that uh, we're really excited and proud to be a part of. Yeah, no, it's uh, one of those things that uh, every time uh, I think about what we've done so far with Fast Pitch Prep and everything Fast Pitch, uh, the Square Cuts training discs are certainly something that I'm most proud of. Um, it's a great product. I think uh, the fact that we've developed it and uh, brought it to market is something that I'm very excited about. If you are looking to get a set, they are $49.95 a dozen. You go to the fastpitchprep.com website. There's a link right there on the main page. It will take you through the steps. Um, it's a pretty simple process. We've got them in stock and ready to ship, and we would love to send them out to you right away. As Don said, it's a great tool for hitting, throwing, pitching, for almost anything that you can imagine. Um, something that I think every player should have in their individual training routine, and obviously something that uh, coaches should have as they're looking for ways to help their players develop and to have another, uh, I guess, variety of drills and things that they can do when they're having a team practice. Yeah, Tori, we've had some kids come back from some of the bigger college camps saying that they're using them there as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool to see that, that they've taken off the way that they have. And uh, as we just said, certainly if you need a set, go to the website, get them ordered, and we'll get them out to you right away. Um, and uh, we certainly would appreciate hearing back from anybody that's using them. If there's more ideas, new things that you've also come up with that we can add to the list of things that uh, make them a strength. So, Don, did you know? that the 2022 World Games are going on right now in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, that's awesome. Birmingham's done a great job here in in recent years of becoming sort of a a sports mecca, doing a lot of stuff with uh, college baseball, the SEC tournament, travel ball tournaments. There's a couple of great facilities uh, in Birmingham that are really uh, powerhouse facilities that are are drawing a lot of big events. Uh, But there's eight teams playing in the World Games. Obviously, the United States is the number one seed. They'll be playing against Japan and a bunch of other nations. Monica Abbott is on the uh, world team. Uh, But they've also got a lot of new faces and young players uh, that are making their uh, international debut. And so it'll be interesting to see how the uh, veterans and the the rookies fit together and uh, what kind of showing they have here at the the World Games in Birmingham. No, I think that's going to be very exciting to see how they fare. And um, that would be an awesome event for some of our youth players to get out and get a chance to see firsthand. 
Yeah, I know uh, t- uh, Team USA played in Columbus last weekend, and a couple of the kids that I work with went and watched them play, and they were super excited that they got to see uh, Team USA. Obviously, they were blown away by the skill level and the ability level of the of the players. Um, anybody who is a fan that can get there, I certainly would strongly recommend it. It's a chance for you to see the best players in the world playing and squaring off in a, in a meaningful event. This is a championship that the uh, top teams definitely want to win. It's, it's something that they're you know, all going to be competing like crazy to try to take that trophy home. So uh, did you know the 2022 World Games are in Birmingham, Alabama? Awesome. So Don, our listener question comes to us from a parent who shall remain nameless, just in case right. her <laughs> daughter's coach might be a listener. <laughs> sure. Um, her message was pretty clear. My daughter and two others sat out while a guest player played all the time in a big tournament last weekend. The coach said we needed a catcher, but he moved his starting catcher, who is also his daughter, to shortstop, and she also played all the time, which meant that my daughter and two other players were fighting for scraps while the guest player played at the catching position the entire tournament, and the other girl, what is the coach's daughter, moved from catcher to shortstop. So our listener's question is really simple. What should we do? Because we feel that this is a really unfortunate, bad situation. Tori, that's that's a real tickly one because you know it's really happening all the time, and that falls under the 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 am I getting my money's worth category, and or, or the amount of effort that I put in is that you know being reflected in the opportunity that I get on game day, and so many times we I hear it every you know every week at the cages here about we're either picking up players or we're not comfortable with the choices that the coaches are making um, for lineups and, and playing time and things like that. And it's really kind of disheartening and, and frustrating that, you know, everybody's not a little bit more on board or comfortable with uh, the direction that their teams are going. And, but I don't know what's fair. I mean, is it fair that you pick up a player and they don't play at all or that they play only a little and, you know, I mean, well, I think that's the the balancing act. Now, the fact that three regular players were not playing and they picked up a guest player, to me, is a little bit of a red flag. When I'm thinking of you, you need to pick somebody up. It's a more of an emergency situation, not sure, a, a numbers um, thing. Yeah, right. Not not it's going to give us a better chance to win situation. But there's a couple of other things going on at this time of the year that I think are also probably in play in this situation. You know, here in, in uh, our part of the country, there's you know the, the seasons are wrapping up. A lot of the travel teams are finishing up. They've got maybe one or two tournaments left. You know, they've got the nationals out on the horizon, so it's and they're already in the process. Dress rehearsal, who's, yeah. yeah. Who's who's going to be on the team next year? An awful lot of the time now, I think that coaches use the excuse of we need a sub or we need a guest player and we need to pick somebody up for this tournament when it's more of a part of trying to convince them or, or try them out or decide if we want them to be on our team for the long haul, maybe for next year and beyond. So we're just using the guest player moniker as a way to you know, try to smooth it over at the beginning to, to, to get people to get on board with it. But anytime you've got two or three regular players not playing while you've got a, a guest player playing i think you're going to set yourself up for an awful lot of questions no i think like you said tori that's kind of a red flag and again communicating and letting people know exactly what's going on around us makes everyone more comfortable for sure but it's tricky and tough because i mean we've talked about it many times about you know needing more kids in general just to create a 
a more competitive practice environment for everybody to grow to their potential as well, rather than just saying, okay, well, we've got 10 or 11 kids, everybody's going to play and you're going to be the, this position and everybody gets their spot and, and nobody has to work hard or nobody has to do anything special in between times because that's all we're going to have next weekend too. It gets to be kind of a, a tricky, tickly time because we're not creating an environment where it's competitive during the week so that on uh, you know the weekends, the, the kids that are working the hardest are, are getting playing time because everybody gets to play. We only got 10, right? There is no absolute right answer to this except to say that if you have been living with this idea of 11 or 12 players all year long, I think you made that bet as a coach and you need to, to lie in it. And so to me, I think it's unfortunate that this kind of thing happens as often as it does. I understand the coach's perspective on it. I also understand that it's it's unfortunate because I think a lot of times the guest player, the person who shows up to, in their mind, help the, the team out can be in a really tough situation because you're going to have a lot of animosity and, and disappointment of other from other players who feel like they're kind of getting the short end because they're not getting to play as much as they normally do or where they normally would. And so to me, I think it's just a, a, a bad situation. I think your idea of communicating about exactly why we're doing it and what we're after is a good one. But unfortunately, I think a lot of times there is no good answer that's going to satisfy the kids who are stuck in the dugout uh, instead of playing. And there's no way to make their parents happy. You know, and the other thing about the guest player thing that is just such a, uh, I guess, challenging to sort out is usually the kids that are the regulars have paid fees, they've paid dues, they've been loyal to the team and doing a lot of stuff for the entire year. And then all of a sudden, boom, here at the end when it's supposed to be the big payoff, the big fun, you know, end of the year tournament, and, and they're stuck on the bench while some player that might not have had that same financial commitment or might not have had to uh, you know, pay the dues, so to speak, um, literally and figuratively ends up getting the opportunity to play. So so for our listener, um, I, I would tell you certainly this situation war would warrant me looking for a new team for the future. Because if it happened this year and your daughter is in that position where she's the 10th, 11th, 12th player be on the on the verge of being, you know, put on the bench if coach decides that they, they, they need to, you know, bolster the lineup and have a better chance to win. As we're talking about Tori, I think you're exactly right and if there was a sacrifice to be made that might need to be made by the coach's child, right? Let the coach's kids sit so that we can have a dressed rehearsal to see how these people fit into the whole scheme of things. Yeah, no. So my my honest opinion is as we talked it through I'm sure that this is a situation where this uh, guest player wasn't really just a guest. They were a recruit for the future. And I'm sure that the coach made up his mind that he wanted to put his best foot forward as far as showing her the, the best team he could. And I'm sure in his opinion, that meant that his daughter still needed to play all the time. Right. So I understand why it happens. It's just unfortunate because you've got a lot of people that are you know, making a, a, a very substantial commitment to being on a team. To have them then end up on the short end of the stick is a tough pill to swallow. So for our listener, I'm, I guess the, the moral to the story is fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I wouldn't leave myself in a situation where the same thing could happen again. No, I think that's good advice, Tori. All right. So, Don, that's going to take us into this week's edition of Paige's Power Play. Hey, it's Paige here. Hope you're having a great day so far. And I am here today to talk a little bit how to help you help your daughter boost her self-confidence with this thing, okay? 
We are talking about loving ourselves. Well, more like your daughter learning how to love herself. As athletes, teenagers, adults, as humans, it's easy to forget to love ourselves. It's easy to love on everyone else, our moms, our dads, our friends, our brothers and sisters, maybe. (laughs) My brothers can really get under my skin sometimes. And maybe your daughter's like, what? No way. I do not love my brother and sister. Deep down they do, right? It's easy to notice that ever, like, it's easy to notice everyone else's strengths rather than ours. It's hard to tell ourselves that we love what we love about ourselves and what our strengths are. In my programs and lessons before, we have written love letters to ourselves. And I've done this many times myself as well. Yep, mushy, gushy, beautiful love letters to ourselves. This is super easy, fun, powerful activity to boost her confidence. So do this with your daughter. It's really easy and it's really simple, okay? Think about if you wrote a nice, appreciative, supportive letter to a friend, family member, or a loved one, and then put yourself in that position instead. So after the girls have written their letters in the past that I've worked with in my programs, I have then had them share their love letters out loud. And reading them out loud is even more powerful because you are speaking those words out into the world. But remember, what your daughter thinks and says is what she's going to believe. So here are some prompts that can help you and your daughter out with this letter. And you can even write your own letter as well. So some of those prompts are, I am writing because I love you because I appreciate you because I am proud of you because you should feel accomplished because blank makes me feel happy because you are awesome because you are beautiful because you are unlike anyone else because I am thankful to you because and what I wish for you is dot dot dot. So prompts to just kind of get like get the, the letter going to get you thinking to really challenge you to write some really nice things about yourself, right? Or for your daughter, right? It's a love letter. It's a promise to herself, yourself. You and your daughter are reminding yourself how awesome, amazing, and incredible you are. This is a great tool to practice positive self-talk so that when you are in the middle of the game and fail, she will be better at using positive self-talk in that challenging moment. We write the letters because when you write it out, you are five times more likely to retain that information, hence writing the love letter, right? So I wanted to share with you guys one of the love letters I've written to myself. I have many, and they're usually they're always right in my desk drawer, somewhere where I can grab them, especially when I'm feeling kind of down on myself or not feeling confident. That's why this is such a great tool to boost self-confidence. Here's my letter. Dear Paige, I'm writing... Because I want you to know how truly amazing you are inside and out. I am proud of you because no matter what challenges come your way, you persevere. You never give up and you go for your biggest, craziest, scariest dreams. You are freaking awesome because you aren't afraid to be who you are authentically. You are unlike anyone else because when you set your mind to something, nothing can stop you. I love that you ask for help and you don't feel ashamed of that. You are a kind, loving, thoughtful, and seriously beautiful person. Your drive and determination to impact hundreds and hundreds of girls that were, and just like you, inspires me daily. Stay strong, confident, determined, beautiful, and you are going to change the world. Love you, girl. Love, Paige. See, not that hard, right? But it's powerful and meaningful. And even if your daughter doesn't believe the words that she's writing down today, the more that she writes it down, the more that she says it out loud, the more that she thinks about it, and you too the more real it will be. So 
go write these love letters to yourself. Have your daughter do it with you. We will be writing love letters to ourselves in weekly mindset lessons this week. If you want your daughter to learn why this will boost her confidence and get her out of her comfort zone. So you can grab that, that mindset lesson at my website, pagetons.com. And I can't wait for you guys to try this out. Don, I love listening to Paige every week. She's got something positive to say that if our listeners are not taking advantage of her programs, I think they're really missing out. No, she's all about the right stuff. And again, she's always trying to help the kids uh, figure out how to work through difficult times and to be better athletes. Yeah. Make sure you check out pagetons.com. Sign up for some of her programs. She's got a ton of free stuff on her website that's also uh, readily available and would also be beneficial. But she's got some great programs that I would strongly recommend. Don, that's going to take us to our leadoff topic, which is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite Sporting Goods is located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. You can contact the folks at Elite Sporting Goods at 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at EliteSportsOrders at Yahoo.com. Folks at Elite have many years of experience handling this stuff. They've got bats, balls, uniforms, spirit wear, um, everything you could possibly need. Reach out to them. They're happy to ship anywhere in the country. So. Our leadoff topic this week, Don, we're in the home stretch. Now there's a lot of big showcases going on. There have been uh, you know, three or four weekends in a row now. There's a couple more still co- going on um, where getting players recruited, showcasing their skills, showcasing their abilities is the whole reason that we're playing softball. There's a couple of things that have come up that I wanted us to talk about because I think that the discussion that needs to be had is reminding people that the whole reason we're going to a showcase is to showcase our kids' abilities, to make sure that they get seen by college coaches and that we do everything we can to make the right impression, the best impression, and to allow the kids the opportunity to show what they're really capable of doing. And unfortunately, I don't know where this problem comes from, but I've got coaching friends telling me that they can't hardly even watch the games. You know, they're going specifically to watch a player. And the list of things that keep being talked about is that as soon as the game's over, a group of parents will move in right behind the backstop, you know, basically packing in the entire area where the college coaches want to be so that they can actually see the game, see the players and have a good vantage point. And it's almost like the the parents are... I'm so worried about watching the game that they forget that the reason those games are happening is for those college coaches to watch the games. No, that is pretty interesting, Tori. And again, I guess a a troubled time when we can't get the the coaches in a good vantage point to watch. That's right. Well, and and one of the things, you know, for our parents, I mean, obviously we know you want to watch your kid play for sure. And I understand that aspect of it, but the reality is that, for these showcase weekends, that's when you have to sacrifice a little bit. Instead of having the prime real estate, the number one seat at the field, the best place of all places to watch, that that's when you need to slide down the, the sideline a little bit, go uh, you know on that side closer to the dugout, go into an area that's going to leave the space behind home plate or, and the area that the college coaches need to do their job as accessible as possible. And a friend sent me a picture of a game that he was trying to watch that between the, the pop-up tents, the families that were had basically you know, camped out behind home plate, he couldn't see anything of the game that he was trying to watch. He, you know, he, he ducked around for a minute or two and got so frustrated he just left and, and went to watch another game. How important it was for that player to have that opportunity to make an impression on that coach, I mean, nobody will ever know for sure. 
but I know for sure that it didn't get made. And the reason it didn't get made is because the, the college coach just made up their mind that they didn't, you know, that they couldn't see enough that it trouble. wasn't, you know, that they didn't have enough of a vantage point to really see enough to make it worth their while to stay and try to watch that game. Well, I wonder if we need to try and rope off an area or keep a certain number of seats uh, set aside just for them or. Uh, well, that's the second part that there's a lot of tournaments that are setting up, you know, basically like restricted seating areas. Maybe they put a tent behind home plate as close to home plate as they can. You know, it's got signs and things like that, you know, college coach seating, you know, college coaches only, that kind of stuff, which every, also seems every to be field is... ignored pretty readily. And I think, you know, when it's, you know, these 95 to 100 degree days, fans, I think, are seeing that tent as an opportunity for them to get out of the sun and not have to worry about hauling their own stuff around. And so they're kind of camping out in the restricted areas, you know, sitting in those tents, sitting right next to the tents to take advantage of the shade, shade yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And again, I understand that nobody wants to be out there, you know, basting on a hundred degree day. But again, that reason that that restricted area is there, that that uh, college coach area is there is to give them a safe haven where they can, you know, sit, watch, be out of the sun, you know, maybe get a drink of water while they're watching the game, whatever it might be, but have the best opportunity they possibly can to evaluate the kids playing in the game. And so when, People decide that it's okay for them to move into that area or, or crowd around it even, even if they're not under the tent, but sitting right next to that tent. The college coaches are typically having conversations. They're talking about players. They're talking about the game. And we want to give them as much space as they need to have those conversations, to talk about the stuff they want to talk about. You know, They shouldn't have to be using their huddled you know, church voice to have a conversation with another coach about what's going on in the game or a player that they're there to watch. You know, they should have enough space that they can, you know, do their work and, and not have to feel like it's a no fly zone. That's tough, Tori, though, because I want I want to know what they're talking about. I want to know what they're talking who they're talking well, I about. Think that's, and I, think I know that's the, the point that uh, we need to make sure that uh, our listeners are, are taking away from this. Yes, we know you want to know everything you can. <laughs> you want to be as aware as possible. Again, if you're that person that you know, sneaking in as close as possible, that's crowding them, that's trying to, you know, eavesdrop on their conversations, that's, you know, doing any of those kinds of things, that coaches are recruiting the players, but they're recruiting the parents too. And if they're there to watch your daughter play, but you're also that parent that's hovering right over them, kind of looking over their shoulder to see what they write down in their notebook or whatever, it's probably not making the best impression either. And so I think it's important to understand that that restricted area is meant to be exactly that. It's for those college coaches and give them some space, you know, give them enough room uh, that they don't have to worry about speaking it above a whisper and potentially hurting somebody's feelings or making somebody mad. Yeah, no, that's pretty tricky right there. But And all these fields are so different too, Tori. Some of them are even um, windscreened back behind home plate, so it even makes it more challenging or there are right. even fewer places, you know, for good viewing, a recruiting scenario. Next one is parents trying to chat up the college coaches. Besides the fact that there's rules uh, limiting when and how much contact the college coaches can have with anybody that they're recruiting, it's, again, just another one of those forcing your way into a situation where it's probably not the appropriate thing to be doing. The uh, college coaches are certainly capable of saying, hey, sorry, I can't really talk to you right now. The rules don't allow it or whatever. But just a good rule of thumb is they're not really there to carry on a conversation with you. And again, you know, to your point from earlier, Don, we know that you want to talk them up and explain to them how amazing your daughter is or you know, try to read the tea leaves and decide how interested they are in your daughter. 
but it's just not appropriate to, to be having those conversations. It's certainly not appropriate for you to, you know, to edge your way in and just, you know, try to insert yourself into a conversation to put yourself in a position where the, you know, the college coaches have to basically tell you, sorry, I can't talk to you. If that's happening to you, you're definitely breaking one of the etiquettes of good uh, recruiting policy to help your daughter and the other kids on the team get recruited. Well, yeah, it makes it tough as well, because I think in some settings, possibly at certain times, different level college coaches are able to talk to people and they might get confused. That might be tough. Right. Well, so the, so a good rule of thumb is don't talk to any college coach at a tournament unless they talk to you first. Right. Don't assume that any of them can talk to you. Um, you know, as you said, Don, you know, the different divisions, different uh, organizations like have NAIA, different rules. Yeah. It's just very hard for those college coaches. They don't want to be, you know, come off as being a jerk. They don't want to have, have it feel like they're, you know, telling you, you know, get away from me, kid, you bother me. But in some cases, that's kind of what they have to do. And so, Chatting them up is a bad idea. The last one, and this is for the parents and coaches that have the duty of being like a team recruiting representative, you know, the, the person whose job it is to hand out the flyer, talk to the college coaches to answer questions. If you're in that position, whether you're a coach on the team or you're a parent who does it as a voluntary thing to help the kids, you have to be realistic about the conversations that you're having and you have to be realistic about the players that you're pitching to the different coaches. Typically, especially as as the schools get stronger and more competitive, if they go to watch a game, they're there to watch one or two specific players. It's not uncommon that... Uh, Top 25 Division One team, if a national championship level Division Two team is there watching a game, that there might be one or two players in that entire game that they're really interested in. And if you're the coach or the, the recruiting rep spending your time talking about the 13th player on the roster who doesn't play very often, but she really wants to go to Florida or Florida State or Alabama or Oklahoma, it's just not realistic to expect that the 13th best player on your team is even a prospect for those kinds of schools and for that coach to have to be told constantly about players that are the 6th, 7th, 8th best player. So uh, if you're in that position, here's a good rule of thumb. The college coaches that are there probably already know who they're there to watch. I would start off with asking that question. Are you here to see somebody in particular? Is there any specific information I can give you about Sally? And if they say, no, I've got everything I need. Then just say, well, I'll be over here. If you have any questions, just let me know. But to then jump into the you know 25 minute dissertation about why Sally's the greatest player ever um, and why that school needs to recruit her or then trying to derail it and then say, OK, I know you're interested in Sally, but we got this other girl. She's really not. She's our 12th best player, but she really loves Oklahoma. It's just bad look. It just doesn't accomplish anything. If anything, it probably hurts you and your team's reputation uh, on the recruiting side even more you have one player that's really that kind of kid that's going to go to a top 25 top 30 top 40 kind of school and that coach ends up being turned off to your team or to your situation because every time they come to watch that player play they have to hear about the you know the third strength shortstop and the and the number four catcher um, it just gets to be pretty uncomfortable. And my guess is that some of those coaches stop coming to watch. No, I think that's good advice for sure, Tori. And they might also, if they're being distracted, miss something that happens out on the field that might be a difference maker. 
Right. And again, as the, the moral to the story is, when your kids are there to be recruited, do everything you can to make it as easy for the college coaches as you possibly can. Give them the space they need. You know, don't be a distraction. It's not about you being able to be buddy-buddy with one of these big famous coaches. That's not going to help your kid get recruited. Now, if you already have a relationship with them, your kid's been to their camp, you've talked to them in the past, then there's nothing wrong with you saying, you know, hey, coach, how you doing? But then keep it moving and move along. If they want to talk to you or if they can talk to you, they will. They'll come but get they probably you. Yeah. can't, and they probably don't really want to in that setting very much. So try to keep that all in perspective. And, and keep those uh, key points in mind as you're, as you're working your way through this uh, process, because it's already complicated enough. We don't want to add any more layers of difficulty to it. Well, and Tori, too, to add to something uh, you talked about previously, when other college coaches see college coaches chatting with parents, they know that that's not supposed to happen. And that's why they may tell you, hey, you know, we really can't talk with you and things like that. And they want to be pleasant and polite, like you said. but it's the other coaches that aren't even right there beside us that are that are watching and saying, "Hey, well, they're, you know, they're talking with parents and they're not supposed to." No, the uh, number of clients officers that get a phone call on a Monday morning after a big tournament is pretty long, especially if it's uh, within your conference. If uh, you're seeing a coach that you or a player's parent that you really want that player, um, you see the you know a coach from one of your rivals, you know, talking them up when they shouldn't be or or doing anything you know that, that's against the rules is just a bad idea. So makes it um, tough. So hopefully that will give all of our folks a, a little bit to think about. You know, we're into the nationals and the end of the season. The recruiting never stops. You know, for a lot of the kids, the fall season coming up is going to be a big recruiting time too. So if you've been one of those parents or one of those teams that's been breaking these common sense rules, let's just uh, get on board with doing it a little bit better in the future so that we can make it a little bit easier for the coaches to do their job and for your kids to have a chance to make an impression on those college coaches. So, Don, that's going to take us to our cleanup segment. Our cleanup segment is sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And, Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com, and they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. So please make sure you take advantage of that EFP10 discount. Again, uh, it's a great way for you to help support Everything Fast Pitch and save a little bit on some great products. Uh, everything from Pinnacle is awesome, and we certainly do appreciate their support. So, Don, there's a phenomenon that's going on here in Georgia now, and I'm sure it goes on in many other places because I know that uh, we're not uh, unique in this, where entire teams start to have a little bit of success. They win a couple of tournaments. They start to develop a little bit of a reputation. And just like that, team and players that were so happy to be part of Organization X last week, that really were you know, so excited to carry the banner and, and wear the uniform and, and represent the whichever organization you want to fill in the blank, can't wait now to announce that they've been offered a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go to Organization Y, which is so much better and so much stronger and so many reasons why they need to make this jump. It just always makes me laugh uh, and, and wonder a little bit because 
last week you were so proud to be part of Organization X. What changed that now Organization Y just blows X out of the water? No, it is interesting, Tori, and it does happen quite often. Actually, we've got a lot of people that are, are changing orgs and moving. It sounds most of the time that I have conversations with them, it's most of the time because of field time or training facilities or lack of options in terms of having your own coaching creativity, you know, ideas, you know, pulled away. So I think occasionally it's because they were sold a, a bill of goods at one with one group and then sliding over to another thinking it might be better. Again, it's interesting to see just how often it does happen. There's a lot of extra uniforms being purchased, Tori. This time of year, the happiest person around is the guy who sells the uniforms. Right. And for some of these organizations, that's part of why they want teams to join their organization because they get a cut of the uniform sales. Pluses and minuses, strengths and weaknesses to any organization. But the reality of it is if your team's going to be good or not good, has very little, if anything, to do with the banner that you play under. It has a lot more to do with the quality of the coach that you are, the quality of players that you recruit, the work that you put into making them the best version of themselves that they possibly can. What I keep seeing happening is people who believe in their heart of hearts that just by changing organizations, by changing uniforms, by paying the fees or paying the dues to say that you're part of this other organization that it's somehow going to be the uh, golden ticket to a more successful program. And I deal with this on a pretty regular basis. You know, we just try to explain to people that the best way for you to have as much success as possible is to worry less about the name of the organization and more about the reputation of your individual team. And if your individual team is doing the stuff that it's supposed to do, your kids will get recruited. If your individual team's doing the, the things the right way, you know, that th those players are still going to have a great experience and have a chance to be really successful on the field and, and in recruiting. But this whole, you know, if we can just get to a bigger organization, a better known, a bigger name, that somehow that's going to solve all our problems, I think is fool's gold. Well, I mean, some of those groups too, Tori, are falling apart as well, right? So it's not always, yeah. not always greener over there. Right. Well, I think the, you know, the greener grass thing is a common thread that we talk about, uh, whether it's the transfer portal or recruiting or switching organizations or whatever it might be. And I think we just need to be aware of the fact that anytime we make a change, for every plus, there's a minus. For everything that seems like it's going to be good, there's something that might not be as good moving forward. And so, you know, one of the things that, that I tell people all the time is once upon a time, and when I first started recruiting in Georgia, there were five 18 and under teams that were all really strong. And being part of one of those five teams meant a lot. Well, in this day and age, some of those same organizations are going strong, but they have 30 or 40 teams in an age group. And you go to watch an 18 and under tournament, and there might be six or eight teams all wearing those same colors, all wearing that same uniform, playing in, in the same age bracket, in the same tournament, in the same location. And you can't convince me from a recruiting standpoint or from a competitive standpoint that all those teams are great. You know, I think that what happens is because one team is exceptional or a couple of teams are exceptional in an organization, that we just get this philosophy, this this thought that somehow, you know, that that greatness is just going to jump off of them and stick to us just because we're wearing the same uniform. And I just think that, like I said before, I think that's fool's gold. 
Tori, what do you think about tournaments and stuff like that? Some some feel like if they're within a particular organization, that that's going to give them an easier, better opportunity to be um, accepted or brought into some tournaments. Does that have any weight? I think that's what the organizations want all the coaches to believe, but I don't believe that it's really accurate. Because let's say, pick any of the big organizations that you want. You can fill in the blank. I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to make anybody mad. But you pick any one of those organizations. If they're calling the Atlanta legacy, they don't have carte blanche to get every one of their teams in. So they're still going to have to pick and choose right. within their organization which teams they're going to promote to get those spots. If it's a really high-powered organization, probably have more teams that want a spot than they have spots available to them. So I think it's one of those things that in a lot of cases, that's, you know, again, part of the marketing, part of the sales pitch, but I don't think that it's always very accurate. So again, it's just, uh, I would tell any coach that thinks that that's going to solve their problems or make their team better, that take a good hard look at what's going on within your team first, take a good hard look at how your what your team's doing and what, you know, what kind of uh, effort everybody's putting in now. And if you think that somehow that's going to all miraculously change just because we change colors or change uniforms, Again, I think you're setting yourself up for a lot of disappointment. Now, the organizations that are in the, the business of selling franchises and selling you know, opportunities to as many people as they possibly can, they're very happy to take your money. But again, there's only so much that they're going to be able to do for you. And especially you know, when you look at some of the big, big organizations that just have hundreds and hundreds of teams, how much individual attention can you get when you've got that many teams that are all looking for the same opportunities? Isn't that something how they're just growing? It's interesting to watch. One of the craziest things of all the crazy stuff that we've seen, it's one that just shocks me the most. And there's no end in sight. I saw 15 or 20 Facebook posts this week from good teams with good coaches that had to upgrade, had to make a move to another organization. And like I said at the outset, you know, the thing that's just so crazy about it to me is, you know, two weeks ago, those same coaches were just raving about how amazing where they were is and how that organization was doing all this for them. That's why they, you know, they loved it. That's why they were going to be so loyal. And then to, you know, just like that up and jump to another one just kind of cracks me up a little bit. So I hope it works out for everybody, but the grass is not always going to be greener. And just we've talked about it a hundred other times on this podcast. You know, the grass grows pretty good where you water it. If you want to make sure that your players are going to be as well taken care of as possible, just make sure you take do the very best job you can where you're at. All right, Don. So that's going to take us to our coaching tip of the week. It's another showcase slash recruiting thought, and this one's for our coaches. Coaches, you need to make sure that. You have a target in mind that you are looking at and picking the right showcases for the players that you have on your team. You have to also make sure that you're being realistic about the players that you have on your team and what types of showcases and what kinds of opportunities really do make sense. If you've got a, let's say, a, a whole team of kids that you know, are in love with the idea of playing at you know small local schools, you know, maybe Division three, maybe NAIA, maybe junior college. If you have zero players on your roster that are dying to go to Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or Florida, you know, that really have different goals, then you have to make sure that you're picking the events that match up with what your team's goals really are and, and what's realistic for the players that you really have on your team. You know, to spend $1,500, $2,000, dollars to go to a showcase because the entire SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, and Pac-12 conferences are all going to be represented. They're all going to have coaches there to spend all that money to go to the, that event 
when none of your players want to go to any of those schools, it's just kind of foolish. And I think sometimes we think, you know, just like the, the name of the big organization is going to somehow solve all our problems with our team. I think we also think that going to the big giant showcase that everybody knows is a big giant showcase is going to solve all our problems with recruiting. And in a lot of cases, I think we're making more trouble for ourselves than we are really solving anything. And just like you're saying, Tori, too, we want to be competitive where we go. And if, if our player's skill level isn't quite at that same same point, we're just going to go and spend a bunch of money and have a really rough weekend, huh? Perfect example is uh, Atlanta Legacy was just going on. And Legacy is an amazing showcase. They do a great job. You know, They have tremendous teams. And they do a great job of getting the college coaches there. I think probably everybody who's anybody on the on the competitive end of college softball is there. So it's a wide variety of programs and a wide variety of schools. So it could be a, a, an event that matches up really well with what a team is, is looking for, or it might not match up at all. And so for us to, if we're spending all this money to go to California, but none of our kids want to go to the West Coast, if we're spending a ton of money to go to Colorado, but all the kids want to stay local, if we're spending all this money to go so that our kids can be seen by, you know, power five, top 25 types of schools, but we don't have any top 25 types of players. Right. Again, all of those factors are things I think that we need to be thinking about as, as we're making these choices. And I'd much rather see a coach choose a smaller, more regional event that matches up really well with the kinds of schools that his players are really looking for than to chase after some big giant showcase that costs a ton of money. It's going to cost everybody a ton of money to go to that doesn't match up very well. And so to me, I think it's just a common sense thing. But, you know, as we talk about a lot, common sense and common practice are not always in the same neighborhood. No, Tori, I think that's awesome advice. And uh, for them to talk to the tournament organizers or directors, is that pretty much where they can get a feel for what type of college recruitment might be uh, attending? Well, I think there's several things that each each team should be doing. One is certainly studying the past history, because if you call a tournament director, right. they might give you the list of everybody that was there last year, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee who's going to be there this year. But it kind of gives you an idea. And again, you know, if we're using a one showcase as an example, if they can trot out a list of you know everybody in the top 25. You know, everybody that's a national championship contender, those kind of, kinds of schools, that's great to know that those types of schools are going to be at a showcase. But again, we have to make sure that it matches up with the kinds of players that we have. team that I know very well, a couple of players that I know very well, were kind of, I guess, put off because their coach had to kind of make that judgment for them, explain to them that you, know, you can want to go to this national championship contending team, but you're the fifth or sixth best player on our team. If that's the case, it makes a lot more sense for us to go to this other event where you can be seen by these you know, 25 schools that really are interested in you versus us you know, chasing after the, the dream that has no chance of coming true. The second thing, and this is something that every team should already be doing, but you should be targeting specific schools and, and coaches that you know that your players are very interested in. And so and inviting, if you're and inviting them, right? with a coach, yeah. you should know what events they're planning on going to. And then you should be making your decisions based on where they're going to be or where they traditionally go versus, again, just chasing after the big name event. Well, and, and you can invite them to tournaments that you're going to be at that uh, your kids are likely to have a chance to be recruited to. 
Right. And that's the the most important thing that most players and coaches and parents need to do. Some do a great job of, some don't do it at all. You need to be recruiting the coaches to come to see you. You need to be recruiting those coaches to specifically come and watch you play, giving them your schedules, giving them, you know, all the information they could possibly need to encourage them to be there. I think if you do that, it's going to go a long way. But again, coaches, be realistic. Make sure that you're choosing the right events just because, you know, there's a big giant showcase doesn't mean that it's the right showcase for you. And I think sometimes we get caught up in, hey, we have to go to that showcase to let everybody know that, hey, we're a serious team or we're an important team. But the reality of it is I'd rather be able to look my players in the eye and say, hey, we're going to where you really need to be seen. And we're going to the places where you're going to really have an opportunity to make an impression on the coaches that you really need to be making that impression on and so it's just a a balancing act because we you know we certainly love the add a baby of saying we're playing this gigantic national schedule if we play a gigantic national schedule but none of the right coaches are there which is pretty dumb no i think that's good advice for sure tori all right cool so that's going to wrap up episode number 224 as always make sure you support our sponsors the anderson bat company elite sporting goods pinnacle power butter if you can, please become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. It's all explained to you there, Coach Don, and I really do need the support. We need some new patrons to come on board. And in that vein, I want to say thank you again to Vince Esposito. Vince is our newest patron. We really do appreciate your support, Vince, and uh, hopefully that will be the uh, uh, first uh, kernel that gets the snowball rolling downhill. Make sure you go to the fastpitchprep.com website, order your square cuts training discs, you also have access to the blogs and YouTube channel. There's tons and tons of information available. And again, that's where you get those square cuts training discs. They're $49.95 a dozen. If you have questions, comments, ideas, if you want to make nominations for player of the week, please make sure you reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Either one of those email addresses will work. And uh, we'll certainly uh, look forward to hearing from all of uh, all of our listeners as we try to make sure that we're talking about the stuff that you're most interested in. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tory saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>